The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Appreciate the song Lion Kings that we're using as our intro this season. James, it's award season on the show today, with you giving out your MILB hitter awards on your in your latest Farm Futures piece. Looking at both sides of the coin here, you know, most impressive, biggest disappointment, really from top to bottom in the minors. But you are excluding guys like Reese Hoskins and Rafael Devers, who are already in the major leagues. Right. Those guys deserve their own uh, recognition for just what they're doing against big league pitching. Like, it's not, I think we've all already kind of forgotten what those guys were doing in the minor leagues. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of more about what they're doing in the big leagues. So, yeah, the, most of these guys, like, there, there are a couple guys at least one guy that I mentioned here who has appeared in the big leagues, but was just such a small cameo that, that, you know, I think it's fair to still think of him as a, as a minor league guy. And then, you know, I, I went all the way down to the, the rookie leagues that are, that are stateside, but I didn't 
single out a worse performance in those short season leagues just because, you know, can you really say like this 18 year old was really disappointing in this short season league? I mean, yeah, it's we're not here to crap on right 18 year olds, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it did. Nice. Well, before we get into your farm futures, any thoughts on these call-ups we've seen already? It's not September 1st yet, but we've seen, well, Francisco Mejia get the call, well, reportedly get the call. Greg Allen, as well as Alex Verdugo, anybody among that group or maybe others that I didn't mention that you're optimistic about? You know, Jack Flaherty's probably the one with the the most fantasy value of, of that bunch because you got to figure he sticks in that rotation for the foreseeable future and you know he was pretty much big league ready it's not front end stuff but maybe he could be a a, a solid number three maybe a maybe a high-end number four starter long term so that's that's definitely a guy to go get in in deeper leagues uh verdugo you know i saw everyone everyone's excited verdugo is just not the type of guy that i get like super excited oh he's coming to the big leagues you know i mean he doesn't have mm-hmm. crazy power he doesn't have like speed or anything he's he's the hit tool is the big thing with him and i don't think we're going to see him do much hitting once now that he's up i mean i think that they have enough depth i mean unless unless cory seager misses you know goes misses two weeks and we see chris taylor move to shortstop maybe something opens up for verdugo in the outfield there but uh, I mean, they're going to, if they ever want to play Adrian Gonzalez again, that means Cody Bellinger moves to the outfield that, that day. So I know they're bringing Andre Ethier up too here. So it's just, there's, there's going to be a lot of outfield options available. So I, I think it's far fetched to think that they're going to try to establish Verdugo as an everyday guy. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. So let's get into these awards in the international league. No surprise here. Ron Acuna, most impressive. Anybody even come close to pushing for this award? Uh, I mean, it it probably would have been Hoskins if I'd considered him, yeah. but uh, no. I mean, he he's he's not going to turn twenty until December, and he's been the best player, or he's the best. He's been the best hitter in the international league, and he is quite easily the youngest player in the league. That's going to be kind of a theme with the most impressive guys in each league. It's the guys that are not only the youngest or one of the youngest players in the league, but actually performed like the best or one of the best. And that's, that's kind of been the staple for Acuna's entire campaign. He was young for high a when he was dominating there and he was young for double a when he was dominating there. And he was even better at triple a than he was at high a or double. A. I mean, this guy's a superstar in the making. It, it's not going to be long before he's a perennial first round pick. Can we just say again for anybody who's still, you know, holding out hope? He's not coming up. No. Come on, he's not coming up. I know, you know, he's assigned to the fall league. It doesn't necessarily rule itself out as we've seen with Mejia, who was assigned to the fall league as an infielder, surprisingly enough. Uh, but Acuna's just not coming up because it just doesn't make good business sense to bring him up. Biggest disappointment in the international league, Rowdy Telez. And man, I was pretty high on Telez coming into the year. I just thought the hit tool coupled with the power and the on-base skills <clears throat> and really how he played after the, a slow first start last year would kind of propel him into, you know, top prospect status, but he's really seen a big hit to his prospect stock. I mean, what exactly went wrong with Rowdy Telez? You know, I think a lot of people point to him just being unlucky this year. And I think the scouts have been saying that, uh, the Babip kind of supports that, but, 
that really only partially explains away his low batting average. I think the the really concerning aspect of this is that he just hasn't hit for power. And you know, you could if he had hit like two twenty and hit eighteen twenty home runs, that looks a lot you know less concerning considering he's still just twenty two years old and at triple A. I think that the fact that he wasn't able to you know approach 20 homer power and he's a first baseman who's conceivably knocking on the door of the big leagues i think that's that's the big concern there so his age is still a a, a mark in his favor uh, but i i i think in shallower dynasty leagues he's probably already been dropped yeah i was you know i was hesitant to move him in staff one but i traded him for geo gonzalez and man that really worked out well for me uh, pat myself on the back. Hey, good job. Good job, buddy. <laughs> I need that praise. <laughs> um, Pacific Coast League, it's tough to qualify for the most impressive in the PCL, given that it seems like every hitter in the league has monster offensive numbers. But Ryan McMahon was your choice. Brief appearance earlier this month, expecting him up early in September as well. But playing time may be limited. Are you optimistic, though, in 2018 with regular bats, he could be a, an impact fantasy guy? Yeah, I think that this is going to actually really work out in fantasy owners' favor. The fact that he isn't getting significant playing time in the big leagues this year, he'll kind of be out of sight, out of mind for a lot of players that stick to single-season leagues. Now, we're going to need to see some things shake out. And, you know, I think in in 15 team leagues, he might be borderline draftable unless there's a clear spot for him because they, they, they're going to still, you know, they have Ian Desmond who they need a spot for. They have a ton of outfield depth, but I think if, if, if it's looking like McMahon has a shot at getting semi-regular starts at first base, you know, maybe occasionally even getting a start at second base, then I think he's a guy to, to really consider because, man he's he did it all this year he hit for a high average he hit for power i think good contact yeah exactly he he had the best strikeout rate of his career when he got to triple a i mean that's a sign of a guy that's continuing to make improvements so yeah that you can't attribute strictly to the league by any means no i mean he he's a guy who swing and miss coming coming into this year swinging swing and miss was always a pretty big part of his game and you know that strikeout rate is way above average so i mean for him to do that as a 22 year old is really really impressive any chance i mean i guess it would he'd need an injury to see significant at bats in september well the nice thing is he'll be up so that's you know i think in maybe in daily leagues he becomes an option when he gets the occasional start but yeah i think they're kind of going to go with uh the people that got him here unless you know i Mark Reynolds is he is he I don't know how he continues to um hold hold that job down but yeah I, I don't see I don't see McMahon doing much in in 2017 biggest disappointment in the PCL Tyler O'Neill which is kind of surprising but you say you know this is a tough one only 22 and he had a w, 102 WRC plus and really kind of turned it on after the trade from Seattle but what was kind of what did you look at and say man this is uh a reason to maybe bump him down well so so i had him ranked um and this was on in the mag uh i had him ranked 49th overall in the magazine i think i probably had him 
closer to the 60s or 70s on opening day but uh you know i screwed up on that ranking he should have probably been ranked in the 100 to 150 range and then based on this season i move him down to where he is now which is right around 200 and so i think just the gap in where he started the season on the top 400 and where he's going to finish the season is why he's the biggest disappointment there are other guys who obviously you know disappointed but not guys that went from top 100 prospects to outside the top 200 so that's kind of what got him here i just i think that he's a low average guy, limited defensive value, going to strike out a lot. He's got power, obviously. I I don't like that trade for him from a fantasy perspective just because the Cardinals have quite a lot of outfielders, and I don't really see him being – you know, ever a defensive upgrade over the other guys. So that puts a lot of pressure on the bat. I don't know if he'll be given enough opportunities. Although, I mean, he does kind of seem like a Mike Matheny type. Um but yeah, I just it's it's going to be a tough situation for him. I think you know maybe he struggles over his first two hundred or so big league plate appearances and just finds it hard to to work out a an everyday role going forward from that. You know, it kind of seems like this guy should be a, a Marlin. It's also oh like, sure seems like he should be in that system, stinking it up. <laughs> I just have a feeling, and I know Craig Mish was the first to really kind of speculate on it. I just have a gut feeling the Cardinals are going to land Stanton in the offseason. And maybe O'Neal will be like the fourth or fifth piece in that deal, but we'll see. Eastern League, Austin Hayes was your pick for most impressive, and he really didn't miss a beat at all after making the jump from high A. Numbers even better with double A Bowie. I mean, wow, 31 combined homers so far this year with a week left to play. Francisco Mejia was also in the running here, but what gave Austin Hayes the edge? You know, I, I just think, you know, Mejia's the better fantasy prospect, but Hayes is the better hitter. I know that that maybe seems counterintuitive, but just the fact that Mejia is going to be a catcher, theoretically, he's going to qualify there for at least a few years, that makes him so valuable given what he'll do compared to the other catchers, whereas Hayes, you know, he's an outfielder. Uh, but he's, he's probably going to spend some time in the big leagues next year. He's, he moved obviously very quickly, skipped low A altogether, went high A, double A this year, probably opens it based on what he did at double A. I don't see why you send him back there. So he probably opens the year at triple A hard to really see a reason to expect him to struggle there based on what he's done at every stop so far. He's just one of the, you know, he's, he's really strong, uh, you know, really aggressive. He's a, he's a good athlete. I think that that just really helps everything play up. Uh, this is a guy that could hit anywhere from second or fourth or fifth in a big league lineup and, and playing in that park. I mean, it, it's pretty exciting. This is a guy that, you know, I would say you could maybe get at a discount just because other places aren't ranking him as high as we are. But if you own Austin Hayes and you're looking at what he's done this year, you're probably valuing him pretty highly. Yeah, absolutely. Biggest disappointment in the Eastern League, Richard Urena. And yeah, the numbers really kind of speak for themselves. 246 average, 285 on base, 358 slug. And it wasn't a full repeat, but he did have some experience at that same level last year, 30 games, really taking a step, slight step back from what he did last year. So if you're looking at Richard Urena at shortstop, I mean, where are you ranking him among shortstop prospects? Well, I mean, he's, he's off the top 400, uh, 
I I think he's a maybe a util guy at this point. Uh still just 21, so I don't I don't want to say like oh he's he's terrible, he's never going to be anything, but you know the hope even on the high end was that he might end up being kind of a Brandon Crawford type that hits, you know, 260 270 uh occasionally flirts with 20 home runs. When the when the ceiling is that low, I don't see any reason to show extreme patience with a guy like that. Like you, you cut him loose. If he ends up somehow meeting that, you're not going to be looking back and just being really pissed at yourself. Or you're going to be fine with it. So, uh, yeah, like a thirtieth ranked, you know, shortstop. <laughs> I mean, you hold out hope for. Him. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think I I sent you that that quote from Tulo. I mean, Tulo's going to retire a shortstop, so he's not going anywhere. Came into this game a shortstop. I'm leaving this game a shortstop. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, it's about time he gets taken out behind the shed anyway. Uh, Southern League, most impressive, Nick Senzel. Can I just say Reds fans calling for Senzel to get a look are just preposterous. Don't understand the business of baseball whatsoever, but I'm excited about Senzel, of course, as a Reds fan. Looking forward to seeing him next year, probably after that uh, Super 2 day passes. But, I mean, what is he doing in the Southern League that made him kind kind of head and shoulders above the rest? I mean, he's just absolutely on another level than the other hitters there right now. Uh, leads the league in WRC plus Woba OPS slugging. It's it's pretty crazy how he not only didn't skip a beat when getting sent from high A to double A, but actually he got better as the year went on. Uh, moved him all the way up to to six on the top four hundred now. So I mean. I, you know, someone someone asked me about you know are we going to see Senzel this year? Look, if we're not going to see Ron Acuna this year, we're de- we're definitely not seeing Senzel this year. Now Senzel, he's a fascinating player for 2018 because you know he's you know he probably gets sent to AAA. Uh, how aggressive do they want to be on him? I mean, if he's if he's raking in you know May. Do they do they consider calling him up? I mean, how long do the Reds keep him at Triple A if he's pushing for a promotion? And and do they have, you know, are they going to be able to find a spot for him? That's a good question because Eugenio Suarez has been kind of awesome this year. Really, mm-hmm. he's taking a big step forward defensively. That can hit, and I mean, obviously he's not a real roadblock for Senzel, but that gives them a reason to hold off, maybe until like June or July. Do you like when do you think he's up? I, I think it, it it's really that's a fascinating question to me because I think um you know maybe this is sort of a you know remember Austin Meadows was getting drafted in single season leagues this yeah, exactly. year. Um I mean Senzel is a better he's a better prospect heading into next year than Austin Meadows was heading into this year and I think probably with less of a roadblock. I mean none of those reds that are in his way are as good as a Starling Marte or Gregory Polanco or, or Andrew McCutcheon, at least what we thought Gregory Polanco was going to be this year. So uh, I think Senzel is going to be kind of a trendy guy that's going, you know, around 300, 350 in single season leagues. And it's just going to be how patient are people going to have to be before they see him? Yeah, I guess it could be either way. It could be an Austin Meadows situation or it could be not the same kind of player, but it could be a Cody Bellinger type mm-hmm. of situation where, you know, some of us took him with the last, our last reserve pick in some deep drafts. Cut him <laughs> a week into the season. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Had to undo that Gio Gonzalez hey, pat on the back. But 
But which one of us uh, rostered Reese Hoskins for half the season and then trade him, traded him, <laughs> traded him immediately upon his call up for uh, a couple guys that I think have combined for a ERA around six and a WHIP around two since they they joined the, the squad. <laughs> hey, we're gonna both be at that buyer's table. Are we I'm sure of that? Are oh, you gonna yeah. be there? I'm gonna be there. All right, I've been hemorrhaging points again. It's, it's a, <laughs> Even it's a with Reese, how are you hemorrhaging points? I know, with it's ridiculous. I have a great offense, <laughs> but I kind of punted steals, and my pitching is so bad. You can't really win it when you're just good in four categories mm-hmm. out of ten. But right, well, <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll definitely be. Uh, buying them, <laughs> buying a lot of sticks. Biggest disappointment also in the red system, Aristides Aquino. What really went wrong for him at Double A? Just yeah, he kind of looked lost at times. Uh, strikeout rate was you know up, up approaching thirty percent. Uh, you know, he still has the power speed, but when I was you know when I was at Pensacola, I I had my heard I overheard multiple. Uh, Wahoo fans just moaning and groaning when he'd get into the batter's box, you know, just just really kind of wiping their hands of him as a oh, as no. a player and everything. I mean, they're they're sick of him down there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he's he's twenty three and he's on the forty man, and that those two things definitely work against him because if if he was twenty one and they could afford to you know be patient with him, that power and speed is still interesting. But now you got a 23-year-old coming off a pretty bad year. He's on the he's holding up a 40-man roster spot, not really close at all to being ready for big league pitching. Uh, they're going to have to make a tough decision on him probably in the next year or so. So it's it's not looking great for him. I will say I've been pretty impressed with what Robert Stevenson has done at the big league level lately. How about that? <laughs> right. Um, right. I just thought I'd fit that in. All right. Hey, three straight wins. Okay. Uh, Texas League, Luis Urias, you're most impressive. And you started off with really a kind of a mind-blowing stat that Urias has walked more than he struck out while being the youngest qualified hitter in the league. I mean, that kind of approach and those contact skills really, I mean, with plus with his his tools, really kind of make the, the sky the limit for this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, he's a pretty controversial prospect because – no, I think every, there there were people that weren't even that sold on the hit tool coming into the year. But I mean, I think everyone's at the point now where they recognize this guy is a a really high quality hitter. He's going to get on base a ton. I think he profiles really nicely, uh, you know, first or second in that lineup. Wherever wherever Manuel Margot's not is where I, I think Urias fits in for them long term. Uh, but you know, you, you'll still have a lot of people that are just like, well, hey, he's not going to do anything with the power of speed. Like, what's the point? Uh, I think that that is somewhat it, it's it's accurate in that maybe maybe he doesn't really do much with the power of speed ever. Um, you know, he's certainly not going to be a fifteen twenty stolen base guy ever. Uh, you can rule that out. Uh, I don't think you can rule out the fact that he could hit ten to fifteen homers yet, and. Look, if he hits 10, 10 or 12 home runs, hits second in that lineup, hits 310, which I think is completely in play, uh, scores 100 runs, that's, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, DJ LeMahieu, you know, prime Dustin Pedroia type of season. I mean, the, those types of guys have more value than I think they're given credit for because batting average and runs are probably the two most underrated categories on the hitting side in Roto. I'm with you too. Plus, it's like, yeah, he's 20 years old, 
And with the way the ball's jumping in Major League Baseball, with the number of 20-plus homer guys we have, I just don't think we could put a hard cap on no. any young player's power potential. Absolutely not. I mean, he's 20. Like I was arguing with uh, our buddy Bobby DeMuro about uh, Paven Smith's power potential. I mean, Paven Smith's a first baseman who's way older than, than Urias, and he's down in, uh, I think, short season ball. Like, I mean, there's... Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, if you're going to argue that Paven Smith has power potential, like, and it's, I know, I know, I know, Arias is five nine, but that's even not a barrier anymore. I mean, there's how many guys have we seen in recent years develop power where it's just like, how do, how are they hitting that many home runs? Andrew Benintendi, yeah. Mookie Betts, uh, Jose Altuve, like, it's just, it's not a precursor to being a, a double digit home run threat. Absolutely, biggest disappointment, Ramon Loreno. In the Astros system, anything you want to say specifically about Loreno? Not really. I mean, he's he's a pop-up prospect from last year, and it looked to be kind of a fluky year. And, yeah, he's blocked. He's super blocked in that organization, so it's just hard to see him ever contributing. Most impressive in the Cal League, DJ Peters. And as you said in a note that I saw recently, the Dodgers, really with an embarrassment of riches in the organization, uh, not really going out on a limb, but, I mean, it's just obvious that this team just has – so much talent at the big league level, but yet still just a full farm system of really high-end talent. How high is Peters in that organization? You know, he's a borderline top 100 guy for me overall, so I think that probably puts him around fourth or fifth in that org. Uh, he, You know, there's the strikeout concerns. Those are going to scare people off. 32% strikeout rate this year. He skips low A. Uh the power's legit. You know, he took uh, Madison Bumgarner deep twice in a in a rehab start earlier this year. Um, I, I just think that, you know, I want to see what he does at double A next year because the fact that he did this well, like he was the best hitter in the Cal League in terms of guys that were in the, in the league all season long. Like Brendan Rodgers had that crazy run to start the year. Thanks a lot, uh, I mean, Lancaster helped a lot with that. Uh, Jemai Jones has been great since getting promoted from from low A, but Peters has been the best hitter in that league all year, and he skipped low A to get there. He's still just 21. I want to see what he does at double A. I think he can improve on that strikeout rate. And, I mean, we've seen guys, if you, if you can get that strikeout rate kind of in that 29, 28% range, you get into the big leagues, you know, eventually you get it down into, you know, 26, 25, like, it's not at a debilitating point with him yet, and he's shown that he's got legit game power. Uh, he's probably got a bit more speed than he even showed this year. I, I like him quite a bit. Michael Geddes, your your biggest disappointment in the league. Numbers, not great, but certainly not terrible. I guess it was kind of a repeat of the high level, but were you expecting a big step forward rather than just kind of middling uh, with him back at, at this level? I just expected him to to quickly force a promotion and then really struggle after the promotion. And he couldn't even force a promotion. He is, he struck out almost 10% more of the time in a repeat trip to the same league. I mean, that's, that's tough to do. So the tools are still there. Obviously flirted with 2020 this year, even with kind of a mediocre year. Uh, But yeah, I mean, those, those contact issues are, are pretty extreme. Carolina League, no real surprise here. Biggest, uh, most impressive, rather. Eloy Jimenez now in the White Sox system. We've talked about Jimenez all year. Anything you want to add? I think that 
since that trade where he went from the Cubs to the White Sox, I think he's been the best hitter in all the minor leagues. And I, I don't think that that's really all that debatable. I mean, he's pushing a 200 WRC plus at high A and at double A. Uh, he's going to probably start next year at double A and fairly quickly force a promotion to triple A. And then all of a sudden, I think, I think Jimenez is going to be the guy where maybe Jimenez and maybe Robles too, where it's just like, man, are they going to bring him up in July or are they going to like, are the White Sox going to have the discipline to keep him down all the way until mid April, 2019 to get that extra year? I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. Biggest disappointment, Corey Ray, of course, the fifth round pick, uh, sorry, fifth overall pick by the Brewers last year. And I know you're a Brewers fan, so this must have been a, a real stinker of a year for him to to be up here. What what went wrong for Corey Ray? Look, like at no point in the, the pre-draft process or even, you know, after his, I guess he kind of showed a little bit of it after, after he got into pro ball, but nobody thought he was going to be a high strikeout guy. And I don't think the Brewers thought he was going to be a high strikeout guy. I don't think they would have touched him at the, the five spot if they thought he was going to post what he did this year at, at high a uh showing significant contact issues and he was he was sort of a guy that i thought was maybe going to be a you know maybe a, a lead off or number two hitter that chips in maybe maybe some 2020 type of seasons uh i mean he's just he didn't even he hasn't posted a 700 ops against righties or lefties this year just I can't I, I'm I'm really down on him. I think that he's been passed by some other outfielders in that system, guys that have you know much less name value, guys like Tristan Lutz who they drafted this year, Monty Harrison I think is you can make a case has passed him up. Um just not a not a good year for Ray. Yeah, that's a it's a pretty tough year given the numbers, but Florida State League, Vlad Guerrero Jr., no real surprise there. Biggest disappointment, Will Craig. Midwest League, most impressive, Fernando Tatis Jr., who we talked about in recent episodes. Uh, biggest disappointment, Demi Ormoloye. South Atlantic League, Carter Keyboom and Mickey Moniak, biggest disappointment. How exactly, how far has Moniak's stock fallen in your eyes? Because, of course, the number one overall pick a year ago, but is he kind of outside the top 100? I haven't looked. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's in the 150, 160 range, and... <laughs> he's so tough to rank because my gut says he shouldn't be in the top 200 and he maybe should be borderline top 300, but he's, you know, he was a number one overall pick like almost a year ago. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get that aggressive about moving him down, but man, I just don't, I don't see it. I think that you know he can't hit lefties right now he's got an obp of 285 against all pitchers like polish was supposed to be his thing like he was supposed to be this guy that you know he wasn't going to blow you away with his tools but just really great hit tool really good defense all that stuff and when you're not showing the polish then all of a sudden you look like maybe a fourth outfielder at best so i mean if i, if I can move moniac for a top 150 prospect i'm doing it today uh I think you could probably still do that in a lot of leagues. I think that like, you know, a lot of owners are still going to say, well, Moniac, Oh, you, you're willing to give me him for this guy? Like, Oh sure. Like, I think that, I think that, I think that there's, I think that there's still 
an opportunity to cash him out and get something of value back right now. So yeah, I like the, I like how you do it because there's a fine line between you know overreacting and and you know discounting a guy too early and you know being out ahead of the curve and doing it before everybody else does. And I think you've proven to have a good sense of that. And I think Moniac's kind of a perfect example where you know it's probably time to sell and he still has the name value and you you find some owners looking at other sites prospect rankings and still find him plenty high but i think maybe next spring or next summer we'll see those other sites start to adjust like yeah exactly like i think you can even he will be in someone's top 100 yeah i, I bet i don't know if he'll be in everyone's top 100 heading into uh 2018 but you know, one of you know, Baseball America, MLB.com. I mean, he'll he'll definitely be in MLB.com's, um, you know, Baseball Prospectus, uh, Fangraphs. One of those sites, maybe two, three of them, are going to still have him in the top 100. So I, th- I, like I said, you can still cash this out. Like it's not it's not too late to get something of value. Uh, and don't shoot for the moon. Don't say like I need to get. I, oh, I need to get this exciting guy. Like, like you're not getting that guy. You need to go get a guy who an owner is going to be willing to to part with. Kind of glossed over Carter Keyboom, but did you trade for him in the league recently? Yeah, I I traded uh, Shinsu Chu. I think he was on like a five or seven dollar deal, something like that for for nice. Well, what's he done that's impressed you most? Uh. You know, I was just wrong about him. I I wasn't that high on him at all coming out of the draft. Now all of a sudden he's getting Troy Tulowitzki comps. Like he's he's and he's missed a ton of time this year with a hamstring injury. So I think he's a guy. Seems you like could, Tulo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, to a T. He's too like very Tulo two point <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, it, I, he's a guy you might even be able to get at a discount just because of all that that missed time. Um, He's you know if he can stick at shortstop, that's a guy that could be a four category stud. Yeah, and again with these rest of these leagues, you just picked out a most impressive. No need to bury some of these youngsters under six feet of dirt, but most impressive in the New York Penn League, Jalen Ortiz, Northwest League, Dalton Varsho, among those two guys who had the better year. I think it's gotta be Ortiz, just I mean, he was the youngest player in the New York Penn League by far the best hitter in the New York Penn League. Uh, Dalton Varsho is 21. He's in the Northwest League. I mean, that's, it's not like you get a sign. You'll have 21 year olds that got drafted that year assigned to short season ball. That's not like they're not saying he's just not good enough for full season ball. They're just kind of getting him in the flow of things there. But I mean, just based on their ages, Ortiz is three years younger and he has better numbers. Nice. Uh, Appalachian League, Ronaldo Hernandez, most impressive Pioneer League, Pedro Gonzalez. Arizona League, Asturi Ruiz, and Gulf Coast League, Mason Martin. Anything in particular or any one player you want to mention? Uh, you know, Pedro Gonzalez was the guy that went back to Texas in the Lucroy trade. I thought they did really well to get him. Asturi Ruiz, obviously the guy that people have been talking about, was in that uh, Trevor Cahill, Brandon Maurer trade. Uh, you got a lot. Of, like I, I haven't gotten – I'm in the process of um, – getting a final re-rank up there haven't been kind of bogged down with other stuff haven't gotten deep into the the list yet so haven't haven't moved Ruiz up to where he should be but there people are getting really aggressive on him uh, I think that he's some people are going to view him as a top 100 guy coming into next year 
So it looks like the Padres did pretty well there. And, and Mason Martin, 17th round pick this past year. And if you're looking, people always ask, like when I was doing that Reddit chat, like who are guys that went outside of the first like three or four rounds that I could go get? Uh, he's the guy and the numbers are there. So maybe you can't get him at the discount that you'd think given that he was a 17th rounder, but, uh, this guy with, he's a first baseman, but he's got a ton of pop hits for average gets on base. Uh, we'll see how much he swings and misses in the upper levels, but it looks like the pirates got a steal. Nice. Well, great stuff as always. Check out James's latest farm futures piece, MILB hitter rewards, com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. If you do not have a subscription, Busy couple of days coming up, James, here in the office with September call-ups looming. We previewed September call-ups on a podcast, and you previewed them in a Farm Futures piece a couple weeks ago, so go back and check those out. We'll have notes for every single player written up on the site, so scroll through the Fantasy News feed to get caught up and get a sense of who might help you over the rest of this season. Got to get to our hip-hop album countdown, top 10 albums of all time, according to you and I, James. We are now to number four. And actually, I was recently, just the other day, switched my number three and four around because, you know, as much as I love this album that we're going to talk about here, which we already did talk about, I just couldn't justifiably put it ahead of the one I'll have next week. But I got only built for Cuban Links this week. Easily a top five album for me. I wanted to put it higher, but again, I just had to set my personal feelings aside a little bit and just look at it somewhat objectively it's hard to do but i had to put raekwon here again you, you had him already uh, this album a couple weeks ago not really much to add i think incarcerated scarfaces it's probably the most well-known album or track on the album but probably my favorite as well but really you can't go wrong with any song from top to bottom here what do you got i have illmatic which you had nice. last week uh go pretty short here my favorite track on Omatic is halftime uh but that i mean that whole album it's one of those great albums where you just you're never hitting the skip button like it just you let it play everything just goes together and you let it play all the way through again and it's just it's timeless Um, we might have the same top three we might have the same top three i don't know for sure i I don't think we will no okay i think it's I wouldn't be surprised if we did, but I feel like there's a certain you're, you're going to give another bit of love to a certain. Uh, oh, so you have a different group. Okay, I know what you're saying. I won't spoil it, but I think I know you, that you have a different album by the same group. Interesting, interesting stuff. So you had Illmatic. I had only built for Cuban Links. If you are a hip hop fan and haven't heard any of the albums we've talked about, do yourself a favor and catch up i mean get these under under the belt because well, these are timeless classics well thank you guys for listening we'll be back with you next week
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.